Hello, welcome back to Circle and Sewer, episode 16, uh, with Jake and Joe. Again, just Jake this week, so we're hearing more from me. Uh, this is our second episode of the week installment, so we've got... Well, we don't really have much NHL, to be honest, because that's not my expertise, and um, so Joel will have to update you that on the following week. Um, my NHL, all I got for you is I took a, a betting approach tonight with taking a couple favorites um, minus one and a half, which is plus money on most books. Um, you know, obviously it varies depending on the team, but um, so far I'm four for five tonight, which is is pretty, which just isn't going to be repeatable to be completely honest. Had the Bruins, they won three to one. Um, so covered the one and a half goals. Carolina seven to two, easily covered. Had the Devils, they only won by one. Um, had Vegas, they won seven to four, and then Rangers eight to two. So high scoring night all around, which uh, was night nice. So um, love b- betting on those those uh, those one and a half because it puts um, you at plus odds, which is which is wonderful for for those of you that are betters. Um, it is. You know, oftentimes you find, especially besides some of these blowouts, but you'll find, uh, I think in the Bruins game, it, it might have happened or they scored late. I didn't didn't watch it. But um, typically, if they have a one-goal lead, the other team uh, pulls the goalie, right? And then um, if you get a cheap, easy, empty netter, all of a sudden you're up two, and then it's plus money. So uh, that's my hockey talk for the night. Um, besides that, uh, that should do it. Wild one. I watched that game a little bit. Um, Zeger scored a nasty goal. Another one uh, where he went, I think it's called the Michigan, where he picked it up and scooped it around. Uh, luckily, he was uh, there was an offsides um, call, which they went to video review. And I, I heard some people and saw some people on Twitter talking about this. And I'm kind of... Um, it's this 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 age of, of replay in sports, too. And this, and this goes back to the offsides calls. They, you know, they go back and replay and see that... Um, I don't even know who it was, but somebody on on um, Anaheim was was barely offsides, right? Just barely. I'm talking about like fraction of the skate or whatever on the, over the line, and um, some of that stuff is is interesting, you know. And I could go both ways on it. Um, same thing with the, you know, the the replay in, in baseball. Maybe the guy sliding into second base, and um, you know, the, the the second baseman holds the tag on him, right? And then he he switches his feet. And, you know, there's that fraction of a sliver that his, you know, cleat comes off the bag and all of a sudden he's tagged out. So um, I don't know, because I feel like if the natural eye can't see it um, at, at, at that level, I don't know if that should be a call that should be always reviewable. Um, you know, the blatant ones, I feel like sometimes are a little different, you know, like if they call them, you know, and I guess that's the gray area, right, is how do you decide between that play and also the play where, you know, he just slides into second base, he's safe, they call him out, they review it, you know, it, technically in the rules, right, that's that's no different. So I guess that is the hard part um, to kind of decipher the two. Uh, but I think that there should be some adjustment because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it takes away when you're talking about like something that the naked eye can't see that you have to zoom in super close um, on a TV or a camera or, you know, the, the review screen in order to see. Um, but Hey, that's just me. Um, rolling into the NFL. I'm going to do the updated standings. I'm going to do the picks later, but Joe is now eight, five and one for NFL picks. Um, he had a rough last week. He went one, three and one. I'm nine, six and one. I'm buzzing. Haven't had a losing week, so that's exciting. Um, I'm going to have those at the end there. I'll try to go over some games as well. Um, as I'm recording this, the Panthers are up 13-3 to on the Falcons. Um, kind of a bummer of another Thursday night game. You know, they that's not exactly two exciting teams. So, uh, I don't know if we even talked about this. Slash, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but the Astros won the World Series. They won four games to one, just like I called it. Um, didn't see Philly winning in Houston, but they did. And then Houston just kind of took it to him after that. So um, Astros won the World Series. Uh, not shocking to me, at least. Uh, but yeah, that that does it for the other sports, I guess. Again, abbreviated NHL segment. So this episode is going to be probably pretty short. 
Um, but I'm going to roll into NBA. Um, this is exciting for me to get a whole whole time to talk about this, and I can maybe go into on some rants here. So you you NBA fans out there, this is this is going to be the episode. Um, I'm going to start with the T Wolves, which for me is not something fun to talk about. As you know, I think all around Minnesota and 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 Wolves fans everywhere, you know, not only in Minnesota, but um, had pretty high expectations going into the season. Obviously, um, you know, with the Gobert trade, um, you know, early in the first couple games, it looked like it might have been worth it, you know. But now we're seeing. Uh, Maybe not so much, and I'm not saying it's Gobert's fault um, at all. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the lack of of depth or anything, because truthfully, our bench right now is our, our probably our best part. It comes down to the guys that were on the team last year and um, the guys that are still on the team this year that are just playing poor basketball. Um, you have D'Lo right now, who's playing, I think, statistically some of the worst basketball of his career from a, like a field goal percentage and a shooting percentage. Um, turnovers, I think, you know, a stat that is, you know, you can you can compare this through other statistics, you know, you know, loose balls, um, one stuff like that. You can really get in the weeds there, and I, I would assume that if I were to look at that, the Wolves would probably be ranking pretty low, especially D'Lo himself is. He just it looks like lazy basketball, and you're seeing that in in a lot of the you know some of the teams that are underperforming this year. Um, you see in the, in the Sixers and the Lakers, um, just certain parts of the game that they're just getting out hustled, and you know there are teams that are doing this, and 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 they're just playing good solid team basketball, um, which I know is super cliche and it's not that fun to talk about, but that's the reality of the game where it's at. I think now. Is that there's there's so many deep teams, there's so many dominant players, there's you know everybody's way more physical. You have the biggest size wings, you know guys that would be playing center, you know years ago, um, are now wing players. You know at six ten, six eleven, and they can do all sorts of things. You know they can dribble, they can shoot, they can play defense on your point guard. Um, and so now it's it's not it's not quite the ability to just have one team or one good player and kind of take you to where you want to be. And I think the Wolves aren't even assembled in that way of one player taking us, but we're just getting out outplayed in in very in in so many aspects. Um, I think mentally is where it starts personally. If you watch these games, uh, the motor on a lot of these guys, and and you know I've had that problem with Cat. Uh, for the majority of his career with us is he just doesn't seem like he has that, that kind of next level that you see a lot of these like top players go to, um, you know, he, he doesn't seem to have, um, as people in, in, in sports like to say that, that dog in him <laughs> per se, um, he doesn't have another level he can go to. He doesn't have a switch he can turn on and off. His coasting, um, level is, is pretty low, um, you know, there's certain guys in the league that you see that like on their worst nights, like Luca, they're going to score 20, right? 22, something like that. That's a bad night. You know, if he has a, a tough night shooting um, for our top guys right now with D'Lo and Ant and Cat, their bad games are are, are bad. Um, and obviously comparing to Luca is, is one thing, but um you know, we ex- I just expect a little bit more from these, and and at this point, I've learned to not expect that from Cat, and maybe even D'Lo too. Um, but but Ant right now, you know, the narrative around him is you know he's lost this joy to play basketball, which is something you never want to hear in general. Um, that's just not fun to talk about. We have to talk about if the person's enjoying what they're doing. Um, you know, and and I and I think that goes along the side of like that kind of go switch, you know, like these three guys just don't seem to have that motor that, you know, you see with Dame Lillard and Luca and Tatum and these guys that, and John Morant that just want to go at guys all night, you know, and, and you can say anything you want about Russell Westbrook, but this is something he's made a career out of, you know, he's not the best shooter, you know, he's undersized, but obviously he's athletic and he has the craziest motor. He just wills his way to being a really good player and will end up in the hall of fame because of that. Now, you have Cat, who is skill-wise much better than Russell Westbrook all over the court. Bigger body, uh, has the ability to shoot threes. Um, you know what I mean? Like 
D'Lo could be potentially put in a similar category as Westbrook from his ability to do certain things. And uh, D'Lo has just been making some lazy passes and stuff like this. So it'd be nice to see this team kind of turn up. You know, they're, they're worst in Minnesota's worst in the league right now, an opponent's team rebounding, um, which is a brutal stat. I mean, to me, that's just like comes down to an effort thing. And I'm not saying they have to be the best, um, but that to me seems like an effort thing. Um, just, you know, to not be last in the league just takes a little more effort. They're 25th in the league in turnovers per game. They're 23rd in the league in opponents' points per game. Um, you know, and that's those those things to me are, are just, I don't know, fixable things. They, they seem like they're, they're adjustable, they, that these these that that a little bit of drive and I'm not sure if Chris Finch is quite the guy that's going to like really turn up the heat on them um you know and that's been a lot of talk about you know you know what did Pat Bev truly mean to this team last year you know was he a guy that uh you know really sparked an energy and, and put a lot of pressure on these guys you know to challenge them day in and day out um because that's not what I'm seeing I don't I don't see a leader on this team um you know Gobert's new here uh but he doesn't really feel like a leader. You got Cat, who I feel like wants to be a leader at some points, but really isn't. D'Lo isn't. Ant really isn't. So you know what I mean? And then you got McDaniels, who's fantastic, who truthfully is our best player right now, um, in my opinion. And uh, he's super young. You know, he, he's not a leader. And then you have our bench guys playing well and hard. And, and those are some of the best, you know, um, times of the game for us, you know what I mean, is when our second unit is going against, you know, a mixture of maybe their starters and second unit guys. Um, but they go out there and, and they've had good games and good stretches for us. So, you know, clearing it, like when D'Lo and Cat and Gobert and Anthony Edwards are all out there together, like that that's going to be the time that we need to clean up. Um, you know, it's, it's tough basketball to watch, to be honest. Like the last couple of games have been bad. Um, they played the Suns last night and it was – we just got outmatched right from the get-go. Lazy passes here and there. Um, uh, you know, the talk of the game was D'Lo was sitting on the scorer's table when he was supposed to be subbed in. So we had legit on five on four. Um, and they scored with him kind of running in at the last second, realizing he was supposed to be in the game. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that in NBA, obviously in my young sports career. But still, that that is pretty tremendous. That is a drill that most basketball players at some point in your career you'd worked on. Um, you know, that transition five on four. Well, that happened because he was just didn't check in, which which is crazy. And, and that to me just feels like a checked out team, um, you know, you know, and that, that may fall on Finch, um, you know, and he and he looked like a greater coach maybe last year than he did because of Pat Bev. And, I, and I'm not in the locker room, so I don't, I don't want to completely buy in on that take. But I don't know. I was a big fan of Pat Bev. He's he's always the guy that you know, for the right situation can be a, a really, you know, franchise changing player. Um, I think in, in LA, not the case uh, so much because you have Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, who are all seasoned vets and kind of, you know, in their own ways a little bit. So Papev is only as good as what he actually brings from a on the court perspective, um, you know, because truthfully, he's not you know he's a good defender, but like offensively, he he's he's limited um, in in what he can do with the ball and scoring and shooting and that. You know he's never been, um, you know, truly exceptional in those in those areas. Um, but what he brought, I think, to D'Lo, to Cat, to Ant was was you know shifting, and, and we saw that last year in, in the excitement around the team. And the excitement, I think, that they played with night in and night out. And um, unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. You know, we went and got Gobert and had to get rid of Pat Bev in that thing. Uh, that's why I was really bummed. I thought if we could keep him um, somehow, it would be pretty exceptional. Um, didn't work out that way. And uh, it's early. And, you know, we're, you know, we're still definitely not out of it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of changing that's going to happen. You know, we have... Golden State below us in the rankings right now, um, you know, which is, I don't think a lot of people would have would have seen that. Um, you know, we're five and seven right now, um, so we're 
we're not out of it by any means, but uh, I think a lot has to change because honestly, there's no easy games. Um, you know, you could you can lose to the Rockets any night. The Lakers still have LeBron and Anthony Davis, so you never know when they're going to turn up. Oklahoma City. I mean, I'm just talking about these bottom teams in the in the West, and you know, you have the Kings who are four and six, and the Warriors are below us right now at four and seven. So, um, and then obviously all the teams in front of us, which are the teams that are winning. Um, so it's it's an uphill battle, but it's something's got to change. Truthfully, from a from a a culture, I think is where it's at right now because you're not seeing the type of effort and, and drive that you typically see or saw out of these guys last year. And I'm not talking, you know, playing these like incredible games. I'm not expecting them to be perfect players all of a sudden, but I think like a little more, um, you know, drive. I think a little spark in the ass might help them. Um, and speaking of Russell Westbrook, uh, random fact I saw this earlier today and this is just in my notes here Russell Westbrook is currently the the betting odds favorite to win sixth man of the year right now which is pretty crazy um in my opinion I don't I know he's had a nice couple games but like sixth man of the year like uh, that seems ridiculous to me when you have Ben Mathurin who I know is a rookie but like he has in my opinion done more off of the bench than Russell Westbrook has so far but we'll, we'll see how that changes um I'm going to kind of bounce around to some other stories here, or topics that I uh, want to talk about. We're going to run through. The Cavs' backcourt continues to shine. Um, Darius Garland comes back from injury recently and has been playing really well. Um, Donovan Mitchell is truly, truly taking this team to another level, uh, which I think I talked about last week about, you know, this team in Cleveland was really had all the pieces last year. I really thought that they had... All the pieces except for that kind of one guy, right? And, and DG, uh, Darius Garland, is a great, great guard. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I don't know if he's a number one on like a championship winning team. So now you go get Donovan Mitchell. And um, if you're Knicks fans, you got to be kicking yourself, right? Because the Knicks were supposed to be the front runners. And they didn't think they'd have any competition this offseason to get Mitchell. And boom, just like that, the Cavs go out and pick him up. And now they're left with... Uh, how do you say this politely? Oh, yeah, they're dick in their hand, and they got no th- nothing to show for it. Um, they did get Brunson, the Knicks, but still, uh, Cavs right now are the second-best team in the league, more, you know, behind the, the Bucs, um, and I don't see them slowing down. You know, they have Mobley and Allen, and, and Mobley's this just tremendous player right now, and he's not the guy that's going to light up the stat sheet in every way that most people would look at a box score and see. You know, he did this and, you know, the 30 points that, but but I think what he does um, on the court for that team is is on a lot of levels. You know, he's a he's a good passing big. Um, he can play defense. Um, he can play five. He can play the four. Um, you know, he's he's a decent ball handler. He can shoot. He's obviously a board man and uh, plays really solid defense. So you got that paired up with Jared Allen, and, and, and he was an all-star last year. So you're just – you got a lot of good pieces there, and um, – I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I think I had them um, in the higher to mid part of the East, but uh, definitely didn't see it going this well. I think more I saw some other teams playing better than the Cavs, not so much that the Cavs weren't going to be good. Um, but yeah, other teams have struggled early on, like the Sixers, and, and you see the Cavs really shining. Um, and I think you you watch this team, and they're a team of young, hungry, like opposite of the Timberwolves at sometimes where they just – they want they it's, they seem to just want it more. You know what I mean. And um, sometimes that can be enough for teams to really you know come together and start playing some really good basketball. And you're and you're seeing that in Cleveland right now. Um, Cam Johnson uh, for the Suns is out one to two months with a knee injury. Uh, that's kind of a big loss for the Suns. He's been a, a really solid player to start this year. He's been good for them in the past, but. Um, you know, I think with Jay Crowder uh, not playing for the Suns, uh, Cam Johnson kind of took over that spot. And I think the big reason why the Suns, you know, kind of punted on Jay Crowder was because of Cam Johnson. And now with him out um, and CP out right now, uh, they're going to need some other guys to step up. And you saw from Mikael Bridges last night um, against the, the Timberwolves. Um, and he's been playing great. I think he, he could be an all-star this year. Uh, he takes strides every year. Um, 
you know, he's just a long, solid, really solid defender and, and, is, and is scoring in bunches right now and, and can really shoot the three well. Um, you pair that with Booker and, and they're kind of a, a solid backcourt even while CP3 is out. So Suns are playing really well. Um, this is obviously a team that's going to be, you know, you figure with Golden State struggling right now that they're probably going to be the favorite, I would imagine, moving forward for the one seed. Um, I would have a whole little spiel on the Utah Jazz, but um, obviously the Jazz are 10-3 and three right now in first place. And it, it's tr- tremendous uh, what they're doing, to be completely honest. And I'll get into that right now, actually. Um, I haven't talked about them much on this podcast just because um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about some of these, these uh, you know, the Rockets, unless I'm talking about, you know, specific players on their team. Um, some young guys, you know, the Magic with Paolo and, you know, these teams that uh, don't seem to be probably pushing for much this year. Um, and the Jazz were a team that I kind of expected that to happen. Uh, and nobody had this. Nobody had this. If anybody tells you that they had the Jazz right now, 13 games in the season, um, being 10-3 and and first in the West, they you they're straight up lying to your face. Um, they're leading the league in points per game right now. I think in, in offensive rating, they're second or third, um, which, you know, is their second behind the Boston Celtics. Um, and who would have thought that, you know? Um, just a complete surprise for the season for sure. Um, they have six players in their team averaging double digits. Larry Markinen leading the way at 22.7. Um, you know, they just they have a team that's, you know, with their leading score at 22.7 is, you know, still really good. But when they have five other players in double digits, it just seems like they're getting a ton of contributions all over the place. You know, they have Jordan Clarkson playing well. Um, they have Kelly Olynyk playing well. You know, they got all these pieces around them. And they have a ton of future picks moving forward with the trades that they made with Mitchell and Gobert in the offseason. Um, you know, so... It'll be curious to see what they're doing because I think everybody at the beginning of the year expected them to be tanking, right? Um, you know, but I feel like it's a little bit of a win-win situation for them if they keep winning. And you know, how realistic is that? I don't know because right now they're playing this well, and so it's thirteen games in and they're still playing well. So it's almost to the point where like the sample size is starting to get a little bit. It's getting big enough where you can maybe take this into consideration that. Um, you know, these guys are who they are. They have a lot of good pieces, like I've said. And if they continue to win, then then you find yourself looking at a, a team competing for the playoffs. And that's never a bad thing, right? Um, especially when you you did what you wanted to and you gave up those assets, you know, and, and you got younger guys um, like Markinen and Sexton and... Um, Vanderbilt and THT and you know you got some of these pieces that that seem like really good role players as a whole you know you have you have these pieces around what feels like you know like the best like three through ten on any team in the league you just need that one star now do they you know I say that them being ten and three um, in the West right now, obviously you don't see this team probably going head to head with any of the other teams in the in the West and and winning a playoff series. Now, um, and that's not to say that that the season is going to be a failure if they don't win the championship, because I don't think anybody expected them to be here. Like I've said, but on the other side of that, that if they do regress and struggle, and then you know all of a sudden they find themselves out of the playoffs and they find themselves in the lottery, which is I think where they expected themselves to be. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk around the league of, you know, is this team going to make moves? Are they going to try to get rid of some of these guys to get more picks in order to, you know, get themselves in the sweepstakes for Victor Wembanyama? Um, you know, I think it's it's interesting because I think in, in other seasons, past seasons, like, excuse me, you'd have no issue with uh, this team performing this well. Now, obviously, with this surefire number one can't-miss player, um, the narrative's a little different, you know, because you don't want to take yourself out of the, the running for that potentially. But um, you also, with the picks and, and things that they have moving forward now, it's, obviously this season you're probably not going to mess with that. But 
it'd be something to think about to move some of those picks to try to go get a star. Now, getting somebody back to Utah seems um, unlikely uh, because it seems like where the stage is at, especially, you know, why would you just flip those picks when you gave up your two stars, get these picks, and then all of a sudden you go back to kind of where you were. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I I definitely see this team regressing a little bit. from what I've seen out of them, they definitely can play themselves maybe into the play-in game with how hot of a start they are uh, or they've had. But uh, I think anything beyond that is going to be a crazy, crazy finish for them. Um, but it, it's a story to fall for sure to see if they can keep the consistency up. Um, and they're just playing team basketball, honestly. You know, like I said, um, you know, they're feeding the hot hand. They've had a lot of different guys. You know, Markinen's been playing really well. Tris Lee's had some 30-plus point games for them. And, um, you know, this team is just playing playing good good ball all around. You know, you, you find them, um, you know, in the last week or so, they have the third-best net rating in the league behind the Nets, who are on a tear, and the Nuggets, um, who are 4-0. and So, you know, you have them overall is the fourth best net rating which net rating is the difference between offensive rating and defensive rating um and the way that they calculate that statistic is like offensive rating is basically points per 100 possessions um so same thing for the defensive rating how many points are given up per 100 possessions and offensive how many scoring um so they're fourth in the league behind the suns Cavs, and bucks um which is tremendous you know and they're playing good enough defense right now with the way that they're scoring. Uh, like I said, second in the league um, is, is pretty impressive. Uh, so you do probably feel like that that scoring is going to dip back down a little bit, but but maybe it doesn't have to. Um, you know, who says that it does? So the Jazz are the one seed in the West right now. So most, most uh, I think, you know, if you would have told me, they're going to trade Gobert and Mitchell, and they're going to be the number one team in the West right now. I, I would color myself shocked for sure. So uh, see what they'll be up to. Um, another team that is supposed to be bad and is kind of bad is Oklahoma City. Um, there's there's some stories coming out that SGA is frustrated with all the losing. I don't know, you know, not shocking there. I think most players with drives would be. Um, you know, and uh, he's been playing super well. He's averaging 31 and a half per game, scoring, uh, you know, four and a half rebounds a game and five and a half assists. So he's been pretty tremendous. And, and we saw this at the end of the year out of him for probably the larger part of the second half of what he can do. And I think, you know, you kind of thought that this team was going to take a step forward. Uh, obviously, Chet getting hurt uh, really threw a loop in their plans. But I, I, I think it could end up paying off in a weird way is you know they they find themselves probably right back in the lottery um and they've got some other picks you know this team is just kind of building and building um now if they get victor you're talking about the potential victor chet and sga together i mean that's that's something out of a dream for oklahoma city fans you know that's that'd be a a scary scary scene for the rest of the league with with that much size and scoring ability and um yeah, moving. I mean, moving forward, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, there's some talks of, of moving him. I, I don't I don't see that happening. Um, you know, I think that he believes there. He just signed an extension there for five years. Um, not to say that you can't you know ask out of it. You've seen players do it, especially in this this day and age of player empowerment. And you know, if a guy's not happy, he asks out and he moves out, <laughs> and the team usually uh, respects that. So. Uh, that's where they're at. Um, you know, they're, they're in the bottom of the West right now. I should say towards the bottom, definitely not at the bottom. Um, that would be the Rockets, but in the Lakers, but they're four and seven. Um, you know, they're, they're a hit or miss team. Uh, but SGA is definitely a, a guy to keep your eye on. I, I think he's a must watch, um, which I'll get to my top 10 must watch players, which I, I made a list and tweeted it out last week, which I thought would be something fun to cover. Um, Hawks backcourt looks good right now. Um, the Hawks are playing tremendous basketball as a whole, which, uh, you know, they're eight and four and fourth in the East. And I don't think a lot of people saw them probably being 
where they're at with just, you know, that Murray move kind of working almost perfectly, it seems like. Um, they don't pass the ball much, which is interesting. I think they're like, they lead, or that they're in the bottom of the league for assists per game um, and just passing in general, um, which is interesting. But it doesn't really shock you when you think about um, Trey Young and, and his usage percentage and the amount that he fires the ball. Um, you know, and he's he's struggling shooting percentage-wise. He's still putting up decent numbers. Um, you expect some of those numbers to go back up, and, and if he starts being a little bit more efficient like this team uh, could really kind of take off. You know, they've gotten got good contributions from some other guys. John Collins is playing well. Um, Hunter's playing well. So it, it'll be a fun story to follow for sure in the East. I, I don't, you know, it's just kind of a dogfight at the top. You know, they find themselves in the third in third right now, but, um, you know, you don't really see this Hawks team. That doesn't feel like a, a series-winning team, per se. Um, but then again, like, they, they kind of made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals before. Um, you know, it, it, anything can happen in the playoffs, and, and they've got some pieces. Truthfully, you know, you with with a guy like Trey Young who can, can kind of carry you and, and definitely lives for those big moments and, and doesn't shy away. And I think that's something that a lot of these, you know, that the Timberwolves players could probably take a page out is, is you see Trey Young and, and, you know, if he's off one night, just keep shooting. I think he was 10 for 28 last night. Um, you know, and obviously that can be detrimental to a certain extent when you're talking about how efficient that is, but or how inefficient it is, inefficient. There's the right word. Got it. Um, but, you know, there there is something to be said about sometimes just letting your, your star player, you know, find that groove. Um, you know, and, and that's what I've said about Ant. And I know this all cycles back to the Wolves, but that's, you know, usually where my mind's at when it comes to this stuff is is Ant doesn't, doesn't want to keep shooting, it seems like sometimes, you know, if he struggles and, and isn't having fun per se or making shots, like all of a sudden he kind of turns that motor off and just, coast and doesn't play spectacular defense um doesn't really contribute to the game that much so um and I think I think you know another player that's like that at times to me is Anthony Davis who truthfully is just like you know once in generational talent for for many reasons and and, you know he was largely considered a consensus top five player in the league you know when he was in these last couple years in New Orleans and then his season with the bubble you know that that is Anthony Davis, who you know you saw at Kentucky is just a game-changing player, and he's not that anymore either. And I think him and Anthony Edwards, like, they just don't have that go all the time, and, it, and it's and it's hurting their teams because you know you saw Anthony Davis make a lackadaisical pass out of the inbound to Russell Westbrook, get it stolen, and just like that, it gives the ball back to the other team. So, um, you know, you need you need those players to set a tone, um, you know level of energy is is contagious and Trey Young right now is he's he's a hooper you know as Kevin Durant would would say and I watched uh, Kevin Durant explain what a hooper is and and Trey Young is just a person who just loves basketball you can tell he's just you know in that in that series um in New York with all the Knicks fans you know and and he lives for it you know so that's the type of player you want and KD is that way and just certain guys that 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 have these motors that um, some of these other star players don't have it seems like and you know and they, they made it to a certain level with their with their um, abilities but it's 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 crazy to me that these guys don't have a little bit more go like I think that you you'd be okay with more mistakes um, as a coach and as a fan if you see you know Anthony Davis trying to take over a game um, you see Anthony Edwards trying to take over a game. You know, you, when you see Trey Young chucking up shots, yeah, it can be frustrating. But trust me, as being on the other side of it and seeing your star player not even want to shoot the ball or really be engaged in the game, like it could be worse. And I think that's what Hawks fans are seeing: is is they Trey Young goes. <laughs> you know, he's streaky. He, he can. You know, he's undersized. He, he kind of has to be, and, and nobody's going to be as good of a shooter as, as Steph Curry. But you know, Trey Young gets in those spurts, and and he's a tough player to guard, and he's can fire from anywhere and you never know when he's going to shoot so that you know that gives a level of surprise to it um so the hawks are going to be you know they're a fun watch i think with one of the best backcourts in the league with him and murray right now um 
Moving to the Nets, which I briefly talked about KD there. Um, they've won three of their last four since Kyrie got suspended. Um, they have a, a net rating in their last four games of 19, which is insane. And just to give you some context there, um, the team right now leading the NBA in overall through the season right now with net rating is the Suns, and they're at 9.1, which means per 100 possessions, they're, they're nine points ahead. Um they're plus nine points, basically. You know, they're scoring nine more points than they're they're giving up. So Brooklyn right now in the last four games is 19. Um, their their defensive rating in the last four games is 95, um, which, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's all because Kyrie's not on the court, but, like, that is that is pretty convenient <laughs> that they're, they're net rating. Defensive rating is 95 and their net rating is 19 um since he's left uh you know because Simmons really hasn't been playing all that much better um he's kind of just a body out there you know and and you see in the games um I don't know if I covered this but Luca went right at him Luca wanted him pretty much any possession he could get on him um took the ball straight towards him and you know and and he was kind of helpless, it seems, at a lot of points. And, and that's their only, you know, loss in the last couple of days is, you know, they lost by two to the Mavs. But um, he's just been playing really good defense, which is, you know, definitely not uh, Kyrie's forte per se. So you're seeing this team really kind of come together. And, and like I said, I think KD is just kind of, you know, he can take a team to this level. Um, doesn't need Kyrie, honestly. Uh probably could use some better pieces around they got Seth Curry back uh Joe Harris still doesn't look like what we were expecting to see out of Joe Harris but Nick Nick Claxton has been playing tremendous for them um so if KD keeps up this level of play and and you know and and he's a guy too that that has a really good feel for the game and like I said he's a hooper and he just lives for basketball is he he can really tell when he needs to to do certain things for his team and I feel like when Kyrie's not out there he can do it almost better too um, you know, Kyrie is a super ball dominant, loves to dribble the ball, um, needs the ball in his hand a lot. And, and KD can definitely play off that for a personal level, but I think it takes some away of what the team does. Uh, you know, KD can can find times to be a distribu- uh, distributor. There you go. Um, you know, I think he had six assists in the first quarter last night. Um, you know, and he's not necessarily known for having a ton of assists, but... You know, he's known for his scoring ability, but I think he's really kind of trying to find this pocket of, like, doing everything. Um, you know, go when he needs to go. Definitely, you know, when he has only one guy on him, like, it's going to be a Kevin Durant shot most likely. You know, like, he can just beat pretty much anybody um, one-on-one, and that's why you see teams double him so much and, and try to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and truthfully, you know, with the minutes that Simmons is playing, they're, they're not – you know, he's not playing that many minutes. I think he's right around probably 20, 25 minutes a game. Um, but if he can take just a couple steps forward, this team is this team is scary, truthfully. If they if they keep up their defense like this, which they're probably not going to be able to keep a 95 defensive rating up because that would probably set some records. But, um, you know, that their, their upside is, you know, definitely something like this. I mean, this is kind of what you imagine, but when you go get Harden and Kyrie, like, you definitely put two guys on the court that are, are not as, you know, skilled defensively or maybe they just don't have the effort to play defense because they want to be offensive players. And um, then you go get Simmons, you know, in the Harden deal and he's supposed to be locked down and he's maybe not. And then you have Kyrie out there. Um, you know, it's kind of crazy. And, and through all that, you know, you still have KD who, you know, you can say what you want about his personality, but, but the guy definitely leaves it all on the court and plays hard and really wants it where you definitely – don't know if you can say the same about Kyrie Simmons and Harden at times, you know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep this this level of play up for sure. Uh, in in the coaching moves, you know, they they fired Steve Nash last week. Um, they were gonna hire Ime Doku, and they didn't. I think for for the same reasons the Celtics probably suspended him. You know what I mean? Like there's there's gonna be a lot of backlash. I thought that I don't know what they thought was going to happen they thought maybe that it would be swept under the rug quicker and it would just go away but they um they hired Jock Vaughn instead 
um, which I thought was a pretty smart decision, at least for the time being. Um, so they kind of flattened out that situation. Now they're, you know, this weekend Kyrie's back from his five-game suspension. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him moving forward. Obviously, they're playing better without him. Um, and he's just kind of a distraction. You get, you wonder if, um, you know, his level of, I, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to say, I guess I don't really know what, you know, what he does during that suspension. I imagine he, he still practices and stuff, but, um, at least strictly on the court, I imagine the team is just better, right? Um, as they clearly are now you take him completely out of that dynamic out of the locker room. You know, I, I'd be curious to see if they, if they just try to move him. Um, at this point, just try to move on from him. You know, he, he'd been ignoring texts from the owner about the whole situation and just, there's just more drama with that guy than there is results at this point. Um, so, you know, you got to look at it from a business standpoint too. It's like, you know, is this guy helping or hurt? And now, you know, he's, he definitely brings attention to the nets, but you have Kevin Durant on your team. So, and you still have Ben Simmons, so you're going to get plenty of attention anyway. You're in Brooklyn. That, that shouldn't be a worry of yours. And Kyrie isn't helping enough on the basketball court, and he's doing plenty of harm off the basketball court. So um, interesting to see what the trade value for him would be out there, definitely in the league. I, I don't know if teams are going to be willing to give up that much for him. Um, there's definitely teams out there that could use an offensive player like him, uh, but it'll be interesting to see what, what comes up uh lakers could they would have to move russ i don't see the nets wanting to get in on russ um but who knows you know crazier things have happened but i i I probably see the nets moving off Kyrie very soon um you know there's rumors of him never playing for the nets again never playing the nba i think he'll play in the nba again but i i think it's it's one of these moments where you're gonna have to make a decision on him before he really completely has no value where teams are like this is this just he's just not worth it to have on your team um so you know the Kyrie saga continues and and this rolls into I guess another thing that I want to talk about with some of these teams that tried to you know put these super teams together um you know you have the Clippers Lakers and Nets um and and I guess more from like a trade perspective with these um super teams per se right uh, you have Anthony Davis and LeBron teaming up in L.A., and they win the title, right? Which you could say is all worth it then, right? The whole idea is to win championships. Um, you know, since then, I don't know how well they, they view themselves doing, you know, with they definitely could have probably avoided that Russ deal. Um, and I think they'd be much better off. Um, you know, I think... Having Kyle Kuzma and, and KCP and uh, Montrez Harrell would be, as well as the picks, could be <laughs> could be very helpful. I think that trade is is gonna really really hurt him. And and LeBron probably had a huge say in trying to get Russ there. But truthfully, like you think about the pieces that they can need, and Kyle Kuzma's been playing pretty pretty solid basketball for about a five hundred team, you know, up in Washington right now, and he's the leader, leading scorer and. Uh, Man, he Kuzma's a perfect fit for what that Lakers team could need right now. So I think you're going to start seeing teams do this less and less and try to like construct teams in a different way. Um, the, the era of, of those big trades might be done for a while, you know, and, and, and maybe Gobert and the Wolves giving up for what they did for Gobert might, might set a precedent too. Um, you know, and the Mitchell trade is another thing that doesn't feel like they really put together a super team per se. Um, but I don't know how much super teams, you know, can carry. You have to have some depth. Um, the Clippers are another team. You know, we really haven't seen that pan out with Kawhi and PG just not even playing that much together. Um, as as typical for Kawhi's career is he's just not on the court. So hard to call it on that one. But But so far right now, you're getting nothing in return for you know, the Kyrie asset, or Kawhi asset, he's just not playing right now. Um, so I guess it comes down to depend, you know, the Lakers, what they view is, was it worth, you know, did they value that 2020 championship enough to, to kind of blow it up for the next couple of years, which is, I guess, to a certain extent, LeBron's kind of MO. Um, you know, he comes in there, wins you championships, plays four years, and then <laughs> head somewhere else. Um 
you know, and then the Nets, obviously, hey, they had their best chance that first season. You know, Katie's foot's on the line. Could be a complete different story. Those guys stay all healthy, too. You never know. But since then, it's just been kind of a catastrophe, too. Um, and, you know, I think some of that comes down to the certain type of personalities that you trade for in these two. You know, when you go get a monster guy, like, you know, he he was good with his team, for sure. That's why you're trading for him, right? Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kyrie, like, they're, they're super talented player, Anthony Davis. But, like, it's tough to to know what that that player is going to be like down the road, and, and I think some of the, the personality traits that you see in players is, is maybe not necessarily the guys that are going to move. You know, Dame Lillard, he, he doesn't want to move. Um, he's loyal and he has that motor that he wants to go do something in Portland. Um, you know, and Anthony Davis is lacking motive. It seems like since that championship. Um, so, you know, with this, these personalities that come into play in these big monster trades, I think is something to think about, too, is, is you know, sometimes a cohesive unit can, can do it. And I think you you want to find those right pieces around your stars, right? And, and Giannis is a great example in Milwaukee. You know, they found a really good fit with with these players, um, you know, shooters and, 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 and uh, defenders around him and that, that go really well with, Giannis's ability to score and penetrate and collapse a defense and kick the ball and have shooters around him and I you know obviously a lot of teams are kind of following that mo, uh, but the Lakers just didn't follow that. Uh, the Nets are are making it happen a little bit. Um, you know they got Curry and they got Joe Harris, so they've they've got some shooters around KD as well as him obviously being a very good shooter. Um, but I think it's more about the construction now of where the game's going where. Um, you know, teams are just smarter. They they understand how to, to get the ball out of the best player's hands more times than not. You know, you, there's certain guys in certain situations that are still just going to get, you know, they're still going to score. Um, but you're going to have to have guys. You know, you have the four other guys are going to have to contribute on the court uh, more times than not. And, you know, the teams that have that one guy with a super high usage rate, and it, it gets predictable in teams that, can can scout against that and they'll, they'll they'll scheme and find ways to to beat those teams so you know these these super teams that only have one or two go options um you know might not might not be the the situation anymore so you might might see this era of, of these super teams kind of moving out the window now um but speaking of players who can score just about any time they touch the ball luca is probably the mvp front runner right now i think him and Giannis have very similar betting odds um, on most books right now, I think personally, if the Warriors can right the ship and get going a little bit defensively, um, I think if Curry stays on this pace, I think Curry can throw himself right in that conversation. I would say right now with the Warriors kind of being a little bit of a struggle bus, I think that kind of removes him from the conversation with the uh, Mavs and, and obviously the Bucks, the best team in the league. Uh, I think Giannis is probably the front runner. Uh, people love Luca, but I, I think this goes back to you know a little bit of a narrative in sports in general. You know, LeBron, Mike Trout, uh, Connor McDavid in hockey. Like you're just so used to, and you know, you love me talking about Patrick Mahomes, but you're so used to these players being so dominant that sometimes you, you know, you don't even want to give them the MVP because you want to spice it up or something. But I think, uh, you know, that's probably why Jokic probably won't, no matter what kind of season he has this year, probably won't win the MVP. Um, but I think at some point this this league just wants to give Luca MVP, and and not that he's not deserving, but um, I think guys like Curry who do it year in and year out, Giannis, like it's tough, you know, it, it's close, especially when it comes down to these these decisions on who wins MVP. So uh, I would love to see Curry get another one. You know, he's really kind of taken off here in this later part of his career, which. I don't know if it's shocking per se, but it's it's definitely something. Um, some young stars to talk, uh, touch on. We got Paolo, Cade, and uh, Ben Mathurum. Uh Paolo's averaging 23.5 points per game, eight rebounds, and just under four assists. Um, he's a fun guy to watch. The Magic are full of young talent, but uh, he's definitely probably going to win the... Definitely, probably classic. He's uh, definitely going to win the Rookie of the Year if he keeps this up. Um, seems to be worth every part of that first pick. Uh, but you know, Cade pick from the year before. Pistons are getting blown out every every night. It seems like so it's hard to really tell what 
Cade's going to be like. I think in the Pistons have some good pieces, but uh, you know sometimes it really matters what you have around you. Um, you know he's playing good ball, but he's at 19.9 points a game, 6.2 boards, and uh, six assists. Uh, but Mathurin, I think, is a real not, not necessarily a surprise, but um, you know he's probably right after Paolo for Rookie of the Year. Um, with I think comes with the situation him playing with uh, Halliburton is is big for him. Um, Halliburton's a tremendous passer and does a lot for that offense, um, as well as being the leading scorer. So paces are five and six. Um, you know nothing too crazy. I don't expect a ton from that team, but. You never know in the East, um, you know, with some of these teams playing down and uh, they could be towards the end of the year maybe playing for a play-in, but they're, they're still young, so I don't, I don't think they have any too high hopes um, on that roster. But they, they, have some, they have some good pieces there in, in Indiana, and I think, um, you know, with Halliburton and Heald and Turner um, – you know, which I think a lot of people expect Buddy and, and Miles Turner to probably be gone at some point in some sort of trade package. I know the the landing spot everybody thinks they're going to end up is in L.A. for the the Russ picks, uh, Russ and picks, I should say. But, uh, yeah, I think Mathurin's played super well. Um, you know, he's a guy out of Arizona, and he's, you know, he's kind of just a scorer, I guess, for the most part right now, whereas Paolo seems to be doing a little bit of, you know, rebounding, obviously, and Cade seems to be doing a little bit of everything. Um, but that's kind of the, the rundown on those three players, I guess, for the for the most part. Those are some of the guys to keep the eyes out on them for younger players. And then um, I listed off the other day, like I said, the 10 most exciting players, I think, right now to watch that are must-watches, um, which I might re- reassess this and, and come out with a new list maybe later this week but uh, I got Luke at 1, Ja 2, Steph 3, Donovan Mitchell 4, Giannis 5, SGA 6, Tatum 7, Dame 8, KD 9, DeMar 10 and then my outside was Zion and uh, Jokic which um I guess it's kind of tough, you know, with, with some of these decisions. Obviously, Zion's a super exciting player, but to me, like, you know, he's – it's only that exciting when he dunks. I think Luka is – Luka can just do so many uh, crazy things. Uh, and That's really, like, the best word I feel like you can use for it. You know, the other night he's thrown over-the-head passes behind his back, um, just looking unreal. Some of the shots, the fadeaways that he hits – um, you know, he's most much must watch basketball right now. And, you know, I think he went on that streak of, you know, he had the first, what, besides the last two games, you know, he had 30 plus points in each game. So, uh, he's been spectacular. Jaw is just a highlight reel every, every game he plays and now he's shooting the three well. So that's fun. Steph, um, you saw against the Kings, he puts a 47 and basically wins Golden State, um, single-handedly to the victory there. Um, Donovan Mitchell is just like he's always seems like he's running downhill, he's hitting threes. He's just super explosive. Giannis is, uh, you know, maybe not everybody's cup of tea sometimes, just because of how big of a force he is. But he is just, you know, an exceptional, exceptional player. SGA I personally like a lot, just because he is, uh, he gets going and uh, he's he's, you know, he's kind of one of those hot or cold players that when he's, you know. When he's got the hot hand, he's he's it's it's scary. So Tatum because he does it all. After him, um, Tatum probably will end up moving up this list. I think I haven't got a chance to watch him too much, but um, you know I think he's probably on the outside looking in for MVP. But man, he makes a really good argument because he he can kind of do it all, and his shooting's improved, and that Celtics team is is really really solid offensively, in a large part to him, obviously. Um, Dame. Uh, Dame is, you know, crazy. Uh, when he's, you know, especially late game Dame, uh, Dame time, he's one of the clutchest players in the NBA. Um, you know, I think people thought he lost his first, you know, that step, his quick first step after the first game, but uh, he's really turned it on since then. He's And he's kind of willing that Portland team to, to be a real contender in the West as well, which they always seem to be with Dame, no matter what pieces they put around him. You know, he gets... They lose C.J. McCollum, and um, 
you know, Dame comes back and, and they've got a solid team and Josh Hart hits a buzzer beater the other night and um, they've got some guys that are some workhorses around them that, that play hard. So that Portland team's fun. Katie, obviously, uh, I at the time said Nets make it hard, but this is before they went on their little, uh, their last four games where they started playing really good basketball. Um, Katie, I watched him last night. Katie's just much, he, he's phenomenal to watch. Um, some of the shots he hits, you know, if when he get like that little fadeaway mid-range where he's literally falling away and he's still, you know, taller than the defender and they just can't seem to get their hand out far enough to him no matter how, you know, what position he's in. It just goes in. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, DeMar, I love watching DeMar because he's just got that mid-range. He's taking a ton of free throws, which sometimes make it not as fun to watch, but, um, you know, he's consistently Chicago's best player and he's he's been as good as he was last year again to start the season, which is exciting for Bulls fans. Um, and then I had Jokic out of it, and I kind of regret it already. Um, you know, some of his, I feel like, usage has gone down a little bit with, um, you know, Murray and Porter Jr. coming back this season, but Nuggets are awesome, and he's awesome. Um, some of those numbers, you know, that he's, I guess, probably had the past two years playing a lot um on his own I would say is is starting to come down but he's he's just as excited you know he just makes it look it's kind of funny watching him you know he makes it look really easy coming from such a I guess a guy you know just looking at him you wouldn't expect some of the plays and some of the just effortless passes and and he's just uh he's a Swiss army knife really you know and he he's just a big big body on the court and can you know bring the ball up and push the floor and outrun guys and and you know he's a guy that that does it all and and wants to win so you got to respect that so that's my top 10 um had fun making that list um which i'm sure people disagree if you do i would love to hear it um and then to finish up we're going to roll into these picks here uh for the end of the week my picks for Week 10 of NFL are cards plus one and a half over the Rams. Um, I feel like this might be the game where the cards finally get it going. Uh, also, just not a big believer in the Rams right now. I, I don't see this team putting up much of a fight anymore. Um, they looked pretty bad against the Bucks, which the Bucks didn't look good. So um, it's in LA, but you know, LA's not even really a home field advantage so I got the cards plus one and a half uh Joe's first pick was Miami Miami with three and a half over the Browns um he's he's believing in Tua uh then I have Cowboys minus four and a half over the Packers um this is in Lambeau but uh I just I just don't believe in the Packers anymore um at all and this Cowboys team is is dominant and I feel like their defense is just going to eat up the Packers offense and lack of offense there and Cowboys offense uh Packers defense is playing pretty decent but I think the Cowboys offense is going to be enough to cover four and a half points uh Joe had Pittsburgh plus one and a half over the Saints sorry covering one and a half points Saints are actually the favorite in that game um I don't hate that pick out of him. Uh, T.J. Watt's coming back hopefully this weekend for the Steelers, and, and they're a completely different team when he plays. And the Saints looked horrible the other night against the Ravens, so uh, don't hate that pick either. Uh, my other pick is Giants minus 4.5 over the Texans. Um, this just seems like another disrespectful game to the Giants. Um, you know, they came back down to earth and lost the other week, but... Uh, Texans are still pretty bad, um, and so, you know, you don't, I'm just shocked by this line, to be honest with you, uh, which does seem a little bit fishy, but, um, Giants at home, minus four and a half, like, it seems like it's one touchdown game, at least, just because of how bad the Texans are, but, yeah, we'll see, that's why I pick them, um, Joe's got Tampa Bay, minus two and a half over Seattle, Um, this is in Germany, this game is, uh, I had the opposite, I have Seahawks plus two and a half as my last pick, um, but 
Yeah, I guess this is a good one to go head-to-head. Um, I'm riding the Seahawks' hot hand. I still don't think Tampa Bay is like, on the way back. I know they have that final last drive, but <clears throat> it was not enough to sell me that Tampa Bay's back for real. Um, and the Seahawks are hot, and they're playing good ball. So that was Joe's third pick and my fourth pick. So his other ones are Detroit plus three against Chicago. And then he has Washington plus 11 against Philly. Uh, He loves taking the big spread against Philly. The Texans paid off last week for him, um, which was his only one correct bet of the week. Um, Detroit plus three against Chicago. I kind of like this one. Um, Detroit's kind of due for one of these games, I feel like. Uh, But I don't know, because Chicago's playing pretty well, and Detroit's defense is pretty sus. So... um, but Joe likes Detroit, plus three, so I guess I can't knock it for it. Uh, my other one is Chiefs, minus nine and a half of the Jags. Uh, at Arrowhead, Mahomes, Jags defense, Jags offense. Uh, it seems like a two-score game at least. Um, so double digits is what we're hoping for in that one. But uh, Jags just, like Joe always says, you can't root for a team that has a pool at their stadium. So, um, Other games, we always got the Vikings-Bills. Um, it's looking like Josh Allen's not going to play based on the line moving from, I think it was all the way at like minus 8.5 in Bills' favor to now it's minus 3.5. Um, so either people have been betting like crazy on the Vikings or it is pretty obvious that Josh Allen's not going to play and it's going to be Case Keenum. Um, like I said in, in the episode earlier this week, it's just kind of a bummer, lose-lose situation for the Vikings, at least from a narrative perspective. Obviously, it's a big, big game and they can, you know, obviously go to 8-1 and one and it's going to be super important. Um, but this is a huge game, I think, for people that are rooting against the Bills and Jets fans and Patriots fans in that division is if the Bills can lose another game. Obviously, 6-3 and three is lets a uh, little air for, for hope for those uh, those fans around the league in cheering for the Jets and um, Dolphins and Patriots in that division. Um, cover the Lions, Bears, uh, Broncos, Titans, <clears throat> excuse me, in Tennessee. Um, Titans are three-point favorites. The under-over for this game is 38, so expect a low-scoring game. Um, I think Malik Willis is playing again. Um, Titans defense looked to control Mahomes last week, so they should be able to do the same thing with the Broncos offense. Um, this feels like a Titans game where it's just they're just going to kind of do the same thing they did to the Chiefs, I would say, and, and keep it low-scoring and then pull this one out is, would be my guess. Um Jags Chiefs covered that one. Browns Dolphins, Joe got that one. Texans Giants covered that one. Saints Steelers, we got that one covered. Um, Colts Raiders, uh, this is kind of a bummer of a game. I guess uh, maybe if you're feeling uh, Jeff Saturday, first week as the coach of the Colts, um, he's going to be rolling into Vegas for his first game. Uh, Vegas blown a 17-0 lead last week to Jacksonville. Uh, feels like I'm must-win game for both teams, but um, both these teams' seasons are probably on the way out, but I like the Colts to cover here, four and a half. Uh, you usually see a spark from these teams with the new coaches, so maybe we'll see that, but uh, then again, it's hard to know when you got Sam Ellinger as your quarterback. Uh, Cowboys-Packers covered that one. Cardinals-Rams covered that one. <clears throat> Excuse me, Chargers-49ers is the Sunday night game, and... 49ers are seven-point favorites over the Chargers at home. Uh, seven's a lot of points, I feel like. I feel like the 49ers were going to win, but... Oh, man, actually, that that's going to be a good line. I think it's going to be right around a, a touchdown game, maybe six, seven points, probably 49ers' favor. Obviously, his line agrees with that, but, uh, yeah, I feel like the 49ers off a of bye week, getting healthy. Uh, hopefully, Debo can play, and... They might be stomping on the Chargers because the Chargers have uh, been pretty underperforming as of recently. I know they're 5-3, and three, but, um, yeah, I don't know if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen coming back. Uh, I think they're supposed to, but we'll see if that uh, can give them the boost that they need. But the 49ers defense is rested up and probably going to come out, and I imagine the Chargers will not be scoring many points. 
45 and a half is the under over for this one. I might take the under in that one. Um, and then the Monday night game is Commanders Eagles. And we Joe is taking the Commanders to cover those 11 points. That feels like a Eagles win, but uh, divisional games are usually close. So I don't hate that primetime game. Uh, yeah, probably uh, Eagles 21 to 13. You can see that. 21-13 Eagles. That's my prediction. Um, I think that about does it for this episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, this was fun for me to get to talk strictly basketball for probably about 50 minutes of this podcast. So uh, thanks for listening if you tuned in. And uh, Joe will be back next weekend. So uh, talk to you then. Peace.